Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Thursday, October 21st. Today on the show, we'll hear from Adam Vingen of The Athletic about what he thinks has happened in the first three games for the Nashville Predators as they're back on the ice for Game 4 on Thursday night. Nashville SC was back on the pitch on Wednesday evening. You'll hear from Josh Ward as he talks about the Tennessee-Alabama matchup and what Josh Heupel should do with his injured players. But we begin with the bizarre strategy of Jeremy Pruitt and University of Tennessee as it pertains to his firing. To those of you who own a home, you have to constantly be thinking about what's the next step. Are you going to do a renovation? Do you need to sell your property? Do you need to change your property? These are all important questions that have major financial ramifications, and you need someone you can trust to help you along the way through this process. And this is where the Kingston Group comes in. BuildKG.com is the website. Have a conversation with a company that has been doing all of those things for Nashvillians for over a decade. The Kingston Group are the people to trust. BuildKG.com is the website. Just go have a conversation with them. I promise you, you will know what I'm talking about after one phone call. We are watching two very different coaching exit strategies play out in the SEC in front of us at the same time. While LSU and Ed Orgeron have agreed to keep things extremely hush-hush in Baton Rouge, using mutually assured destruction to incentivize both sides from talking out of turn, Jeremy Pruitt appears to be taking a very different tact with his ouster from Tennessee. Pruitt's lawyers have reached out to Tennessee, essentially threatening to go public with all the information they've got regarding NCAA violations or any other incriminating evidence about not only Tennessee's football program, but also other programs within the athletic department. The scorched earth strategy is a bit surprising if Pruitt, number one, ever wanted to work again in high level college football, but also because Tennessee has already sort of pulled back the curtain in an effort to prove that they could fire Pruitt with cause trying to save a bunch of money. Pruitt, I assume, has something to threaten Tennessee with. Otherwise, this approach wouldn't make any sense at all. But again, how bad could it be considering UT has already lifted up their dress? Basketball coach Rick Barnes issued a pretty swift statement condemning the move by Pruitt and pretty much denying anything that Pruitt could or would say about his program, which is technically a risky move unless you know you're 100% clean, which I suppose he could be, but let's be honest, it's almost impossible for any basketball or football program to be 100% perfectly clean in the modern athletics world. What LSU has done with Coach O is pay him to keep their dirty laundry locked up tight and away from the public. Tennessee is daring Pruitt to air it all. Maybe they'll be fine. Maybe he's got nothing. But for a school that makes hundreds of millions of dollars, the smarter and maybe more cynical strategy might just be to pay Pruitt to shut the hell up. Regardless of what he does or doesn't have on the school, it will not be pretty to go through this ordeal in public. It won't paint the school in a positive light, even if it's just a dude trying to clearly get some of his money back. If I was in charge, I would write up some middling settlement that forces Pruitt into non-disclosure agreements and cut him a check to never say a stinking word about anything ever again. Maybe I've just watched too much true crime documentaries lately, but it feels like this is the way to make this entire thing go away, even if it means giving Pruitt a little bit of cash. All right, it's Thursday. Time for our conversation with Josh Ward at Josh underscore Ward, WNML up in Knoxville. Josh, good to see you. Uh, Should I ask you anything about the Alabama game at all on the field? Is there anything I should ask you about? You tell me. You could ask me if Tennessee will make it through unscathed from a health standpoint, because I think that's the biggest priority. If, If you happen to place a wager on the game, that will end up mattering to you. But who is going to win or lose the game? We know that ahead of time, it's a matter of allowing the process to play out. 
So how should Josh Heupel handle his most important pieces who are already banged up? Tyvon Evans, Hendon Hooker, these pieces that are a little banged up. Kentucky's looming in two weeks. How should Josh Heupel handle his roster going into this Alabama game? I think Josh Heupel should be very careful with the players who are dealing with injuries. I expect him to be that uh, because for those players going up against Alabama at less than 100 percent, not be good for them, which would not be good for Tennessee's team and would lessen the chance that they're available for Kentucky in a couple of weeks, which is the most important game remaining. Every game is going to be important in terms of trying to reach their goals. But but the Kentucky game is most likely going to determine does Tennessee win seven or six games this season. You get two weeks after Alabama. So if you have guys that are questionable, if you hold them out, you're giving them three to four weeks, depending on which players we're talking about, to get ready for a very important game on the road. That would be my focus. You try to win against Alabama knowing the outcome, but you don't try with guys that could get hurt worse and could potentially hurt your team out there on the field. Have you changed? You and I have talked a lot about the Kentucky game being sort of the swing game. You, you've said all along you think this Tennessee team can go up there and win. Do you feel better about that right now after watching them against Ole Miss? I don't feel worse after this past week. Uh, if you tell me Hendon Hooker is not going to come back and won't be available for that game, then I'm going to feel worse. But there seems to be optimism that he can be ready for that game. And if that's the case, then, yeah, I think Tennessee's offense will have a chance to go score points because it's a, a team that you know they're well-schemed on offense, but they also they don't give up. So if they fall back by a couple of touchdowns, they will have a chance to come back and still be in the game against Kentucky. That wasn't the case last year. So I expect Tennessee to be an underdog at Kentucky. So I expect it to be a hard game to go win and line of scrimmage play better be ready. But you know, the defensive line is, has met challenges to this point and the offense has weathered storms despite injuries. It, it took a little bit of time during the Ole Miss game to figure some things out, but they did in the second half. So uh, I, I credit the staff for that. I credit the players for the way that they fought, but they better be ready to fight at Kentucky because while I like Tennessee's chances to win, Kentucky probably has the better chance going in. How, how much are people talking about, worried, concerned about Jeremy Pruitt right now in Knoxville? That's a good question because um, I think a lot of fans are of the mind of, well, let's not give him a dime. Let's fight and let's embarrass Jeremy Pruitt. But I've had a few people say, well, why don't we just pay him? Get, get this over with. I, I don't like him. I hate him. I don't want to pay him a dime, but that's how college football works. I think fans are just ready to move past all that stuff. The investigation, they're tired of that. They're tired of wondering what's going to happen, if something's going to happen, when's it going to happen with the NCAA. And now you have this thrown into the conversation while they're already fed up with talking about what's happened over the last few days. So um, again, it just adds to the emotion for Tennessee fans, but that's another place you can find a division. Some that are ready to fight. Some are th that are just ready for it to be over with. Uh, never a dull moment. My friend, Josh Ward at Josh underscore Ward WNML in Knoxville. Always a pleasure. Thanks for taking some time. We appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, Braden. The Nashville Predators are one and two through three games and will play game number four at home against the New York Rangers on Thursday evening, 7 PM puck drop. And I asked Adam Vingan of the athletic on the Gold Standard Podcast, is this first three games what we can expect to see from the Nashville Predators throughout the season? So the, the question is, should we view it as three hard-fought games from a John Hines coached 200-foot team, or they're going to be one and two in every three-game stretch the rest of the season? <laughs> when, when you look at the way that the Kings game played out, basically that game to me is how the Predators are going to have to win every game this season if they are going to win. Yeah, It's going to be low-scoring. They're not going to run anybody out of the rink. They're not going to win games six to two or seven to one 
or five to one or what have you or six to five this team does not have the firepower up front to win those games how many opportunities to score did the predators have in the first two periods on grade a scoring chances yakov trenin had at least two breakaways philip forsberg had a breakaway that didn't that turned into a penalty shot and then and then forsberg had the penalty shot itself. So they enter the third period down one nothing. They get an early power play goal from Matt Duchesne. They get a nice goal set up by Colton Sissons for Tanner Janot. Great goaltending from UC Saros. You get solid defense. That's how they're going to win games. To me, the the recipe in the game on Tuesday is basically how the Predators are going to have to play in order to win games. You know, think about the game against Carolina. That was a it was a one one game, right? Yeah. It was a one one game. They had a lot of chances. They could not score. And then Andrei Smechnikov comes right down the rink with six minutes left, and yeah. scores yeah. because he is the type of player who can provide that offense. The Predators do not have such a player. So I, when I look at one and two, I think it's about right. I mean, maybe they could be one one and one, but I think. You know, one win through three games is about what I expected. That, of course, was just a tiny bit of our conversation, Adam Bingen and I, every single week on Thursdays, the Gold Standard Podcast covering your Nashville Predators, deep dive into all the different stuff. We talked about the sellout streak. We talked about sending Cody Glass down to Milwaukee and benching Philip Tomasino. We talked about what he's seen from Matt Duchesne. And, of course, what to expect from this team over the next few games. Rate, review, subscribe. The Gold Standard, out everywhere podcasts are found. Nashville SC stayed unbeaten at home in 2021 and moved their MLS best home unbeaten streak dating back to last season to 17 games with a 1-1 draw against Columbus on Wednesday night in the penultimate game at Nissan Stadium. It was the fifth draw in a row for Nashville. SC simply couldn't finish the final ball all night. They built well, defended well, but were just not able to find the final connection in the offensive third at any point really throughout the entire night. And for about two minutes, it looked even worse. Columbus scored in the 75th minute in a flash of brilliance from DP Lucas Zellerian, but one minute and 47 seconds later, Hani Mukhtar responded immediately with the equalizer. It was an MVP play from what should be an MVP candidate, scoring his 14th goal of the season to make sure that the boys in gold not only kept their home unbeaten streak alive, but also locked in the one point. With just four matches left in the regular season, SC is still in strong control of second place in the Eastern Conference. However, there was some bad news at the end of the match as Mukhtar picked up a very questionable yellow card and will now miss the next match, which of course will be this Saturday against third place Philadelphia on the road. Nashville will play its next three matches away from home before wrapping up the regular season on decision day at home. The next 10 days of action are obviously extraordinarily critical. You guys know the drill. Remember the name, The Kingston Group. They bring you this podcast every single morning for free because they are a trustworthy, award-winning, locally-owned company that has been successful for over a decade in Nashville, making people happy. If you're going to do a big renovation or make a big decision about your house, just talk to The Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. Talk to them first. I promise you it'll be beneficial. Go check them out. Kingston Group. BuildKG.com. Thank you guys all for listening, of course. Share the show. That is what I ask of you. Tell somebody about the product. Get somebody hooked up with us. We really appreciate it. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Thank you guys all for listening. This has been the 440 for Thursday, October 21st.
The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.